Unwrap your gift now, but pay later. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Put no money down, no payment, and no interest for up to 24 months. Our elves work year-round, installing in as little as a day. Offer ends December 31st. Visit PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Come join the conversation on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Now filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. Oh, so nice to be back. Thank you, thank you. Everything's the same. The phone numbers are the same. You can still reach the station the same way, text the same way, 855-616-1620. And I think the two big headlines today is trying to figure out what are the odds? What are the odds the Packers make the playoffs? What are the odds this bomb cyclone's the worst blizzard I've seen in a decade? What are the odds? What are the odds? And I don't know which one I'm betting on. So, of course, the win yesterday keeps their hopes alive. I just heard in the news there, what, about 10% or so with the 24-12 victory over the Rams on Monday Night Football. So Aaron Rodgers doing it again, getting a couple of scores there. Bad interception, but other than that, I wouldn't say it was like the greatest performance you've ever seen, but it was a win, and as you're watching this, okay, you you get the wins, that's exactly what you need to do, there's still a chance for you, and when you have the caliber of player of Aaron Rodgers, all you ask for is a chance, just give me a chance, that's all he wants, and that's what they'll do, so there it is, the Packers have a lot to do still, and who knows what could happen, maybe they do make the playoffs, but... I think there is bigger hope that the actual bomb cyclone is the worst storm you've seen in a decade, easily. Uh, 855-616-1620. I'm really worried about that, too. So Wisconsin braces for potential blizzard leading into Christmas. I'm not too keen on a white Christmas. I live in St. Louis, so what that means is once in a while you get snow right around Christmas or so, but it's normally after Christmas, after the new year, that you get the big snowstorm, and there's normally about one a year that comes through. When you're in Milwaukee, you just expect multiple ones, right? But I always get to the point, and it's different wherever you live, where the meteorologists always give you the toughest projection, and then it always comes in under that projection. Toughest, but always under. And then sometimes nothing at all. And then you look at it and you say, well, how'd you get it so wrong? And the meteorologists ho and hum and they say, oh, well, you know, the weather's hard to predict. And, oh, the, the air pressure went a different direction. And, oh, we got lucky. You should just be happy. And, okay, I get it. But a lot of people do prepare for these things. And they get really stressed out about these things. And people don't want to deal with this sort of thing. Is it better to lie even though you know the odds are low that it's a bad storm, is it better to just flat out lie to people so they're better prepared than it is for them to be underprepared? And do they actually have that authority to make that decision on your behalf? Should it be like that? But I am one that's not going to complain. If it's coming in low, and that's fine if it's on the lower end. But even here, and I was looking at the way the storm is going to hit, it's basically all the places that I do a lot of work for in this whole area. It's like you, basically it goes from Milwaukee down to St. Louis. It's almost like we are on the top tail end. So I'm hoping that because of that, it's not as terrible. But the thing that really scares me are these wind chills and the intense cold that's going to be coming in. Starting on Wednesday night, and you know how the storm progresses. It goes from the west to the east, and you have Colorado that is one of the first places to get hit by this. And they're talking about wind chills hitting negative 50.
52 degrees in a small town called Akron, Colorado. That's the forecast on the onset. Imagine that Wednesday night. I don't even want to. It, you, thinking of your, the, your furnace trying to keep up with this sort of thing, I don't want to think about it. It scares me. Um, people are texting in. My work is talking about closing Thursday and Friday. I get that. With remote work, if you can work from home, I don't see why you wouldn't want to just plan for that now. I don't want any of that. Luckily, I do work from home a lot, and I've been doing a lot of that, so I'm nice and comfortable, as long as the furnace stays intact. And the electricity stays on. Oh, man, when you're talking about the snow freezing over to ice and what that can do to the power system, I don't want to have to deal with it. So let's hope for the best. I'm going to say I would rather the odds be the Packers in the playoffs than this bomb cyclone goes off and you have the worst snow you've had in a decade or so. Please, we'll talk more about the weather later in the show, and I'm sure that's going to be one of the top big headlines everyone's going to be talking about, really, through the rest of the last next couple of days. I saw the story, and more details are coming out from that fatal Milwaukee Bridge fall, the Kilbourne Bridge. The video is out where you see the different police responders that were there in their cameras pick up their confrontations. Well, that's not the word. The, the, their interactions with the public that were there, the witnesses, the people that tried to help. And I got a couple of impressions from that because I was actually walking that bridge just days before that man um, fell. So let's talk about that after the break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, welcome back. I'm Ryan Recker, in for Jeff Wagner. Uh, we may have to switch gears a little bit because they're working on some audio in the background. But when I was watching this story here, the Milwaukee fatal Kilbourne Bridge fall, and Fox 6 puts up the video, and what they do is they show some of the camera footage from the police officers that were there responding from it. And I noticed a, a few different things. The first thing that stood out when I was watching this originally and watching it now again was just how familiar that bridge looked. And I realized, well, wait a minute, that was the bridge I crossed every single morning when WTMJ brought me up to do some shows in August. My last show there would have been August 10th, and this happened on August 15th, so five days later. When I was walking... I found it very strange because some of the bridges lift and some of them open up in a traditional way where you basically see the middle of the road, kind of like two drawbridge, and then they would close down. And Kilbourne's more situated like that. But then some of the other bridges down the, down the river just lift up. You know what I mean? They just kind of just hydraulic lift up, hydraulic lift down. And when I was staying there on the weekend, you would walk down the street. They put you up at the Hotel St. Kate, which was really nice. And I would have to find myself waiting for these bridges. Every time I crossed it, I was nearly waiting to go through it. And they have the draw bridges, and I understand everything is pretty well lit, pretty well documented. You know when you're not going to cross. But I can understand why someone would be confused by it when they see the thing go down and maybe not are paying attention. Uh, because, oh, everything looks fine. Everything looks good. One of the things that the witnesses continued to say was that they saw him try to go around the barrier, and they were yelling at him. And they were saying, hey, don't do that, don't do that. He wasn't hearing them. And they found some hearing aids there at the scene. Hey, don't do that. They don't know if he actually heard it. It could have been a, a, a wide variety of things. Maybe you're just from an area that doesn't have these. And i got to be honest, it's been forever since I've seen 
a drawbridge. I mean, I just never see them anymore. And I can't even tell you, uh, could tell you the last time I've seen one in person, let alone walked across one, because normally you're in your car, and if you do see one of these, you're just sitting and waiting because you're not going to drive around it. But much like people are impatient, you notice that when you're walking or doing something else, you think, oh, I can easily get around this, and I can get through it fast enough. This man wasn't fast enough. He's an old man. He maybe didn't see it. Maybe he didn't hear it. Maybe he didn't understand. But whatever it is, the witnesses then describe, and you can see this as part of the video, where he gets through, it starts to go, he holds on and holds on and holds on until virtually they were uh, vertical and he couldn't hold on anymore and fell. It's, it's, it's a tragedy. And it's a mistake, and no charges were made, and they're doing everything they can to investigate this. But the one thing that point I wanted to point out through all of this is that the amount of people that were there, not as gawkers, but as helpers, police have revealed so much more. And we start to see some of the people that wanted to help, and there were crowds of people. There were crowds of people because they realized that a person's life was at stake. And you hear them talking to police officers saying, oh, I wish I could have done something. I... I should have I should have went in there, but I couldn't. I, because they would have very well have been hurt as well, and they know that it would have been a dangerous situation, one that they couldn't have helped. Even if they stepped in, they couldn't have helped. Everyone wanted to rush to see if he was okay. Everyone wanted to rush to see if they can help. You don't always see that in places. Sometimes in large cities, the sad reality is when something bad happens, the first inclination is people pull out their cell phones. They'll take a picture or a video... They'll take a selfie with whatever the thing is, and then they'll move on with their life. Oh, I better go post this up. See you later. Bye. Peace out. But when you see the people that are part of these videos and such, what you see are helpers, people that want to do good and be good Samaritans. And that is something, I don't know, unique to Milwaukee, but something that is rare today in society. It's not something you always come across. It's more of a small town feel. If you're in a small area, you know what I mean. Uh, you may not know the person, but you know a person that knows the person. And you step in to help. Hey, you need something. You need a hand. Can I get you that? Whatever it is, there's a little bit more hospitality. It may be more southern than anything else, but there's more hospitality. Not always you see that in larger cities, but I think that goes to show you the spirit of Milwaukee. When there is something that goes bad, people want to help. There are the helpers. And maybe the takeaway of all of this and the tragic accident, being that no one was at fault. I mean, no one intended for this to happen. It's just a tragedy, really. And uh, just, I feel for their family and everyone else involved with it. And I really don't know if there's anything that can be done outside of him being able to identify and recognize the threat that he was putting himself in. And I don't know if he did at the time. That's the only thing I think could have saved him, him recognizing it at the time. And when that happened, I think to myself... um, would I be one of those helpers? Like, if, if I witnessed that, would I want to help? And I think I would. I think a lot of people would. But, again, it's just not something you see in larger cities. That's a small-town thing. And I think that's my takeaway. It's just my thought that that makes Milwaukee a more unique place. And I think that's something you already knew. Maybe it's a Wisconsin thing. I don't know. All right. Uh, when we come back, there was a moment during the Turning Point USA rallies that happened over the last couple of days. The, there was a group of, you know, speakers that came in to talk to the young people. And Josh Hawley's a senator here in Missouri. He said something that is getting a lot of people worked up. I wanted to play it for you and see if you agree. And we'll take some of your calls on it coming up after the break, too. If you want to, 855-616-1620. I'm Ryan Recker. 
Um, you know, before we go to break real quick, let's go to Holly, who's calling in. Holly, welcome to WTMJ. Thank you, Ryan. I'm, I'm so glad that uh, that you're uh, substituting for Jeff. I love Jeff, but I'm always glad to hear, hear, hear your voice. Oh, I had a very similar experience on the Wisconsin Avenue Bridge. This is a few days ago before that Kilbourne tragedy. I didn't realize, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be on the bridge. And then uh, I'm on the bridge, the gates are closed, the guy in the bullhorn, get off the bridge. You're not responsible. You're not paying attention. And I'm just oh, no. saying to the spectators, well, where am I supposed to go? And yeah. somebody, some spectator gestured to me, crawl under the gates because I'm 4'11", I'm 100 pounds, I'm 68 years old, but I look and act like a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> when I got under the gate, that spectator told me if I had to, I was going to pick you up bodily to get you over. To help now, you that's the for your own good. figure out a better way, Ryan. Got to figure out well, so, a better way because I'm sure it's happened to other people. You were, it is confusing. I understand. I, I witnessed it firsthand, but he was ready to pull you out if you didn't like it. He wanted to help save you. That's what his mindset yeah, was, right? Yeah. He, he told me he was, yeah. He, he said, if I had to, I was going to pick you up bodily. But fortunately, I was able to get under the gate. Yeah. And, you know, then I could stand by the spectators. But that's. And that never happened. Well, it did happen one time. I did have an experience when the Wisconsin Avenue Bridge, I'm like, I'm standing there, and I'm like, why are, why are my landmarks going? They're shorter than me. And then I started to panic, but I'm normally not a panicky person, and there was no one around except me to witness this. And then the gate, then the, the, the platform went back down to normal, and I, I walked, you know, I walked uh, on Wisconsin Avenue but there's a there's a there's an experience right there. I was by myself with no witnesses, and I'm like, oh, uh, my, my landmarks are going. They're getting shorter than me. And in other words, my yeah. platform is going. Wait, higher. so Holly, <laughs> this happened to you twice? Is that what you're telling me? Or is there more times that you're twice. not confessing the first, to? Yeah, the one that the, the, it happened this this one that I just described to you happened in summer. Gotcha. Holly, listen, you, do you have glasses? One. Like, you need the Mr. Magoo glasses at this point. Well, I, 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 I wear contact <laughs> lenses, but I mean it. This is terrible. You don't know when. Scary. There's no warnings. <laughs> yeah. I know what you oh, mean. You I need the Mr. Magoo glasses. And then it happened again. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Magoo. Like, it's, it's an old cartoon where he's, you know, accidentally walking onto construction it. sites and things like that. All right, I'm glad you're safe, Holly. And goes to show you this wasn't a one-off. There were other people that wanted to see you be safe on your behalf, if even if you liked it or not. Thank you, Holly, for the call. Appreciate it. All right, we're going to take a break. And like I mentioned, this moment, this viral moment, I guess, from Senator Josh Holly. I want to discuss that and see if you agree if this is good advice for young people. Coming up on WTMJ. I don't know if you're familiar with Charlie Kirk, Turning Point USA. It's an organization he founded maybe 10 years ago. It's a nonprofit, but essentially it's a conservative organization meant to try to get to younger people. And a lot of times the message is for younger people, meaning we're talking about, you know, 18 to 25, you know, that kind of young. We're not talking about hitting kids in like you know third grade or something like that but i mean for the most part they put speeches they organize speeches things like that debates and their principles are very conservative and for that matter they bring in people that talk to 
them directly. And I wanted to at least play part of this to see if you agree. If this is a good message for young people, again, you're 18 to 25. Think about that age range. If this is the right message to tell young people, 855-616-1620. Let's play clip four. Say to the young people out there today, you want your life to have significance? Take that phone that's in your hand, turn it off and put it away. Go out and do something for somebody. Go give your life to somebody. Go find somebody you can serve. Go find somebody you can give yourself to and pour yourself out to. Young men, let me make a suggestion to you. Why don't you turn off the computer and log off the porn and go ask a real woman on a date? How about that? Just a thought. Ask her out. Young men, why don't you be the ones who do the asking? How about that? Don't wait for her. You go ask. Show her a little respect. And then you take her out and you treat her right. How about that? Don't make her cater to your whims. Treat her right. Treat her right. Treat her like she, what she is, a woman. A person of incredible significance created in the image of God. And you know what? You treat her right. And then one day you do her the honor and show her the respect of asking her to marry you. And then you go get married. And you have children. And you give your life to them. You give your life to that marriage. You give your life to that spouse. You give your life to those children. I would just say this. Young people, aspire to be more than a consumer. Aspire to be a parent, a husband, a father, a wife, and a mother. That's a life worth living. That's a life with some dignity. Okay, so that is Senator Josh Hawley. He's out of Missouri. He's speaking to primarily, I would say, 18 to 25-year-olds, maybe up to 30 or so. But we're talking about young men and women. We're talking about those that may be in college, just out of college, that type of feel. And so many of them have no idea what to do with their life. And they're told so many different messages while at college, while watching social media, YouTube, and all these things. And out comes a senator talking like that. Is that good advice for young people? 855-616-1620. Is Senator Josh Hawley's words to the young men and women in that crowd good advice? 855-616-1620. We'll take some of your calls and your text messages after this. I think it is fantastic advice. The message of Senator Josh Hawley, he's out of Missouri, talking to the young people. He says, hey... Uh, put down your phones, young men, get off those dirty websites, go meet a girl, ask her out, and if you're lucky, one day you'll get to ask her to marry you, and you'll be able to contribute, have kids, you'll be able to do more than just live for yourself, and that's more rewarding, have some dignity. So what a message from Senator Josh Hawley. Do you agree with him? Some text messages coming in, 855-616-1620. One person said, amen, absolutely. Another person said, heck yeah, it's the best thing I've heard in a long time. Great job. Another one said, absolutely, what a great message. Why is good suggestions by a conservative controversial with bad, stupid suggestions to act like... Um, the the liberals they are i guess i don't understand the rest of that text message i get what you're saying ryan that sounded more evangelical than political conservative that's interesting so it could be some faith-based sure i, I kind of see that 855-616-1620 call in is that good advice from senator josh holly 
More text messages. Uh, one from Jeff in Fox Point. He had me until the marriage part. People who don't get married and have kids can have just as meaningful lives as those who don't. I'm single, and I think this guy can get bent. <laughs> so we go, okay, got a couple of ways to look at it. Let's go to Michael on line one. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Hey there, Ryan. Um, as I was uh, telling the, the gentleman who answered the phone, I believe that the content of what Holly said uh, is, is solid. However, the delivery uh, is just, I, I just don't think it was appropriate for the way the culture responds to uh, advice. It wasn't given as advice. It was like given as a, uh, almost like a mandate, like a commandment, like Holly has it all together and you don't. Well, first of all, if the people <laughs> went to this uh, 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 conference, they probably have, you know, they probably have something together. I'm the father of a 31 and 28 year old daughters. And mm-hmm. I, I've got to tell you, I could deliver a, the same message or a similar message in a much more acceptable way because they don't want me to be up in their grill. They yeah. would like to converse with me, not sitting there pointing fingers and going, you must, you have to. And mm-hmm. I, I've got a, a license plate that I had to think about for a long time, and it's, it's faith-oriented. It says, he calls you. I didn't mm-hmm. say, repent now. You better pray. It was, I could still kind of, you know, allow people to think a little bit instead of being told exactly what to do. So let me throw this out there, Michael, because you have two children who, what you said, 31, 28, something. Um, so, you know, they're kind of in the ballpark of that range, but they either that or they just came off of the age level that would normally attend one of these turning point conferences. When mm-hmm. they go to college, they start to live on their own. They get experiences in the real world. There's a lot of other cultural differences. Um, some of them are very liberal differences. Some of them are very loose. Some, none of, some of them are complete opposite of what you would have taught inside of your own home. And your hope is for your children to be able to retain the values that you taught them so they can have a nice life. You know, you want them to have an easier life. Right. Um, so... When I look at Josh Hawley speaking in front of a crowd, I don't know if he's trying to take your place. I don't think he's trying to say, I need to be more forceful than what your dad's been teaching you. I think he's speaking that there are a lot of outside influences who will tell you this is wrong. I'm here to tell you it is not wrong. So I feel like the forcefulness comes with the pushback of what everything else that's been placed on these kids' shoulders. If you would have phrased it just as you said it there, I think it would be more uh, acceptable, you know, that he's he he's trying to, uh, you know, he's trying to impart wisdom versus telling you what to do. I was a wild man growing up. Both my daughters graduated from UW Wisconsin. A lot of my friends said, "Oh, it's so liberal. They're going to go off the deep end." They are two <laughs> lovely ladies. Married, one's married to a West Point grad. The other one's married to the. A wonderful IT genius, and they have a wonderful life. They, I will say they do have faith at the center of what they're doing, but I never, ever crammed it down their throat because I didn't come to the faith until I was 50. Hmm. Wow, that's different. Michael, you know how rare that is? You know, I wasn't uh, baptized until my 20s. That's even rare. Um, you yeah. know. That, that is well, rare. In fact, the yeah. statistics show 4% over the age of 18 come to right. the faith. Yeah, I was, I think, uh, mid-20s when that happened. I don't remember my exact age. But, Michael, thank you very much for the call and your 
understanding there. That makes a lot of sense. 855-616-1620. The message from Senator Josh Hawley. Young men, get off the dirty websites, live with some dignity, find a girl, ask her out, and then if you're lucky enough one day, you'll ask her to marry you. That's the message he has. He's like, uh, get off the phones, get off the screens, live life. And these are the things you need to do. That's his advice to young people. 855-616-1620. Is that good advice? A couple of text messages coming on. Um, heterosexual. Here's a text message. Heterosexual marriage is not for everyone, but I can get on board with the call for socializing. Okay. Another person uh, said that children aren't always such a blessing. Some struggle with addiction and mental health, pain and suffering. Uh, also... Remember, some people cannot have children. Okay. Well, it's not to say that there's exceptions to anything that he's saying there. Generally speaking, is a good advice. I think it's absolute good advice, generally speaking. Another person said, uh, suggestions to do good for others and respect others and be a good human being are controversial, but suggesting or condoning rioting, looting, or burning down buildings are not controversial. Okay, I guess I can see some of the irony there. Let's get some more of your calls after the break. I'm Ryan Recker. It's 855-616-1620 on WTMJ. Some text messages coming in about these Josh Holly comments. And if you missed it, so a couple of days ago, he did a speech to Turning Point USA. It's primarily, I would say, between 18 and 25. So kids in college and just out of college. That's primarily the target for this organization, young men and women. And his thing is, put the phones down, socialize with other people. Men, ask a girl out on a date. <laughs> and if you're lucky enough, one day you'll ask her to marry you. And stay away from the computer, you know, dirty websites, things like that. That's not... There's no dignity in that, you know. So he has this, you know, minute and a half part of his long speech I've just played for you. Is it good advice for young people? 855-616-1620. Text message said, young people have to be told what to do nowadays because they're too stupid to figure it out on their own. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know if it's that. I think with all the technology and the way that we network socially behind a computer screen makes it, easier for you to hide behind that computer screen permanently and feel like that is fulfilling in life, meaning that that's all you need is text on a screen. You don't need other human interaction. And it's kind of a trap because now they're even putting virtual reality out there. So, hey, you never need to leave your house to meet other people. This is fantastic. I think psychologically they know what they're doing. And it's very dangerous. And this antisocial behavior leads people down really bad paths. So I don't think it's wrong to say, put down the devices, go meet some people. I don't think it's wrong. Uh, one person said, wow, it's 2022, and this guy is trapped in a 1960s mindset. Uh, no, I, I don't agree with that, but thank you for your message. It said, it could be simplified. How about young people get your stuff together? <laughs> All right, let's take a call. John is on line one. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm kind of responding to the gentleman who uh, said that this could be said in a kinder and gentler way. Can't remember his name. And, he, and he's got a point. He had the two daughters, and perhaps that's the way he has to approach his daughters, but Sometimes you need a harsh voice. You need a very stark voice. And I think young men need that, too. When I was in my 20s, my feet were not on the ground. 
uh, and there was a guy who's 10 years older than me who was a mentor, and he had, you know, he was no nonsense, and he helped me immensely to get my feet on the ground. And I think that Josh Hawley has a, um, a voice like that, okay? Not everybody can have that voice. Not every voice you hear should be that voice, but there's a need for that very stark, direct, mm-hmm. and, and young men need to hear that, that voice. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. Thank you, John. Young men need to hear that voice. That's the problem I think a lot of young men run into because you see a lot of the media reports. Oh, it's the guy living in his mom's basement that, you know, took the gun and did some terrible act. And, oh, it's the incel, the involuntary celibates that are out there creating harm. They're the domestic terrorists. Uh, they're weirdos. They... You fill in the blank. You know, oh, we're going to mock them online. We're going to take pictures of them and laugh at them. You know, there's this societal thing where young men are stigmatized. Oh, they're just a bunch of Internet trolls that are a bunch of racists and bigots, and they just get their fun by, you know, trolling other people, and they just play video games all day and this and that. I get that you need to push back from that. There's a lot of stigma that is put onto young men to tell them how terrible and horrible they are. Particularly, and this may not be popular, but particularly with the modern left, they look at it and say, we need to come with the day of reckoning that the young male, the young man, is the problem with today's society. That's what they do. And they normally associate race with it and all that. So let's just put the brakes on that real quick. And how about you say, no, that's actually not true. Um, The messages that they're shoving down your throat that you're a terrible human being, young men, is wrong. And it doesn't have to be that way because it's not. So how about you have an opposite message? The opposite message is put that stuff away. And the people that are telling you that, get away from those screens because those are how they're propagating that junk in your brain. Put it down. Stay away from that dangerous stuff, the online adult websites that's rotting your brain. Put that away, too. Go live the real life you're meant to live and forget about all these other things. And you're going to live a better life because of it. And if you're lucky, you'll meet a girl. And if you're lucky, you'll get married. You know, what's wrong with that? 855-616-1620. Another text message. Uh, It's not that easy. I'm no Don Johnson. And I was near broke in parent sponging when I was that age. I have also heard a lot of horror stories about online dating. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. Online dating stuff. I am lucky to have come up in an era where online dating was just like a new thing. But it was still something that people didn't want to do if they didn't have to. Today, everyone does it. And what you see is a lot of horror shows where people are nice at first or not nice at all. Just, oh, it's really bad. Uh, One person texted in, such great advice. So many young people don't know how to interact with others. Such time spent on social media. Yeah, in some ways, it's almost like when my kids are growing up and getting older, I'm going to be able to give them at least a little bit of my wisdom to show that it wasn't always like this with the computers, and it was probably for the better. My parents probably said the same thing about their generation. My time was a lot better than yours, and everything's worse now, and I hate everything. I I know that you can fall into those traps, and I I absolutely get those sort of traps. When I look at this and what I'm going to have to raise my kids in, yeah, the times have changed, but I'm here to tell you that, uh, hey, kids, there's a reason why we did things the way we did, And a little bit of maturity, much like I matured in my life, you'll realize why you did things the way you did, and then you'll get a little wisdom off of that and find ways to adapt it and apply it to your life to make yourself better. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll take some more of your calls coming up, 855-616-1620. You're listening to WTMJ.
Here's a good text message. One said, I am to the left, hate Trump, and I think what Josh Hawley said is great. <laughs> okay, 855-616-1620. Let's go to Mike in Illinois who's calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Oh, Mike, are you there? I am here. Hi, right, go ahead, Mike. I'm here. Yes, um, I think what he said was very good advice. Um, you know, kids, you know, teenagers, young 20s, you know, they're having a hard enough time as it is. They don't need someone to, like, um, you know, shame them or make them feel worse. Uh, things to be more towards white males, too, that they try to do that to. And also, you know, certain sites aren't good for you. Yeah, they might be fun to look at. It might be instant gratification, but it's not reality. So I think it was good advice that he gave. Very good, Mike. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's a lot of destructive things that are found on the Internet that people use. And I guess with a little bit of understanding, you can recognize that those sites are using you. One person messaged in, uh, he's giving a cure for anxiety and depression for most young men. That's interesting. Um, yeah, these certain addictions that people have to the Internet and the things that are found on it can lead people down a very dangerous path that I think need intervention, and it would be good for a person's mental health to reach out to someone to talk about those things. I do, I do believe that. Another text message said, don't come at the adult <laughs> websites, bro. Okay. <laughs> okay, so if everything you said, the thing you're upset about is get off the adult sites. That's the part that upsets you. <laughs> 855-616-1620. Roger from Illinois calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. Um, I know Josh is uh, obviously a guy, so he might not be thinking about the other half of that equation. But I always, I'm always amazed there's a message for young women, too, to pick their guys. You know, like, it's like it amazes me some of these guys you hear on the news, you know, repeat offenders doing, uh, you know, side deals, just outright criminals. And it's like, and they got girlfriends and they got kids and they got, I'm like, why are these women like, why aren't they being selective and like making a message that no, like I don't want to build a family with a guy like that, you know, like hmm. pick and choose and be a little more selective maybe. Um, and maybe that message has to come from somebody who's been there and uh, maybe you've made the wrong choice a few times, but it's just ridiculous how, and these are, I'm talking young guys too, right? They might be out there gangbanging and then the next thing you know, they got kids already and they got a woman and that never ends well. Anyway, that was yeah. just my, uh, my additional thought on this on this situation. Gotcha, Roger. Thank you very much. I guess it depends what circles you run in. So being, you know, forward and approaching someone doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready for it. Maybe you're at a position in your life where a girl needs to reject you for some of the reasons Mike brought up. You might have some other issues you got to work with first. Some other text messages. One person said, sorry, his comments are tone deaf. Women that age are finding guys on dating apps and same as guys. The better advice is for guys to stop trying to get a hookup immediately. Uh, I don't know if that is the same mentality that he was trying to uh, counteract. He was, I think, in a different ballpark with his message. Here's another text message. Uh, Parents need to be part of the discussion as well. Too many young people are taking care of Way to and encouraging that mentality, and they will always be taken care of. I don't quite understand what you mean by that text message, but 
855-616-1620. Thank you for all of them that came in. We're going to move on in the next hour. This big winter storm coming through. I like that Wisconsin's honest about it. And the Twitter files. More is coming out. And what troubling things are we finding? That's next on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. Looking at all this snow that is projected and, wow, blizzard conditions could be the worst that Milwaukee has seen in the past 10 years. And are they ready for it? Eh. Eh. Well, as ready as they can be, I guess. So they're still down by about 25% of their workforce for plow drivers. If you're an independent plow driver, this is what you're thinking to yourself. Here comes the money. This is the reason I bought the truck. Here comes the money. That's where we're at because if they're down 25%, it's going to be very difficult to hit some of these different areas, let alone parking lots. I know not a lot of them are going to be wanting to uh, you know, rush out and hit the roads to begin with. And as some texters have mentioned already on the show, that work is saying, hey, Thursday and Friday, you might not have to report. You might be working from home here. We might not even bother you coming in because even if we get this snow, the confidence of them to clear the roads is low with that many workers down. If you're a plow driver, I can only imagine the pep talk they're giving you right now. You're working for the city, you're you're going in, they're like, All right, we gotta have a we gotta have a halftime talk, almost like you're down and you gotta go out in the second half and have a strong performance. Listen, kids, you know, they always have the gruffle voice and uh, we're really gonna need a lot out of you here. You may not rest, you'll need a lot of coffee. You'll barely have time to go to the bathroom. You might as well wear an adult diaper. But we need to get out there and plow those streets. Not a lot of uh, great news for plow drivers right now as they're going to be in high demand. So when there is a major storm, what happens next? WISN was asking and trying to find out. Can we play that clip? Is the city braces for what could be its biggest storm since the big Groundhog Day blizzard more than a decade ago? Is Milwaukee ready for that? Uh, based on what we've been told, no. City leaders Ooh. learned recently that Milwaukee's snowplow <laughs> workforce is down as much as 25%, suggesting delays in clearing even a moderate snowfall. And as for a major blizzard... And there'll be sections of the city, residential side streets, that might be impassable for some time. Great. So WISN goes out and they talk to Milwaukee alderman Bob Bauman, and they say, hey, uh, how's things looking? And that's his answer. Uh, clip number three. Is Milwaukee ready for that? Uh, based on what we've been told, no. <laughs> Is Milwaukee ready? Uh, no. <laughs> well, at least they're honest. That's great. MoDOT, well, not MoDOT, but, you know, you have Wisconsin and Illinois and all these different areas that are already talking about, the, the depending on where you live and where you may be listening from, they're already preparing for this. They're saying they're doing everything they can. And there's snow removal operations saying, we'll do the best in our confines, but we're down a lot of people. If if you're retired and you're like, you know, I'm not doing anything, and they offered you a ton of money to go plow, would you go do it? I think most people would say, yeah, bring me off the bench. I'll do it on special occasions, and that would be nice. I'll get a little couple extra dollars. It'll pay for my Christmas this year, all the presents for the kids. Uh, but, you know, of course, you need a little bit more time to plow, and you don't want to be running into anything. Get your cars off the street if you can. So th- that's the number one thing, I think. Make room for the plows. Don't drive out on the roads if you don't have to, and get off the street and don't park on it. If you can park somewhere else, 
make it so that they can get through. And the last thing you want is one of those big steel plows ripping off half of your car or your, uh, your rearview mirror or whatever it is. But I wanted to give credit at least to Alderman Bob Bauman. Most, most people, politicians, the first thing they would say is, oh, we're well prepared, everything's great, uh, we're down, it's going to be tough, but man, we're going to give it our best, and I know we'll do fine, and they'll all say these things, and ultimately he comes out and says, are we ready? Uh, no. <laughs> i got to appreciate the honesty. Be careful, and, and uh, don't change it away from WTMJ. You'll be able to get all the uh, storm coverage as it comes through here, and it'll be very important for you to be tracking that one with the news here. All right, so more Twitter files are out. Some very interesting things are coming forward. The government has paid millions of dollars to Twitter in order to censor info from the public. That's an interesting development. And on top of that, Elon Musk getting ready to step down. He's looking for a person to replace him as CEO. We'll talk about that as well. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. The Twitter files continue. More and more information being released from the inside archives of Twitter after Elon Musk took over. Uh, What he decided to do was reach out to individuals to comb through as much of this information on their back end to understand what happened during some crucial times in American history. And I think this all really started with the Hunter Biden laptop and the way that the story was censored. And how did the government react to that story? And what role did the government have leading back to it? And how can that apply to other things? How, what other ways has the government came through and either pressured, influenced, or paid social media networks to do something on their behalf? And what we're finding in this last Twitter file seems to be a thing that a lot of people suspected. But i got to tell you, when I've talked about this, the Twitter files on the show, I remember someone called in, and what did they say? They're like, you got to give Twitter the benefit of the doubt. And I don't remember. The person really didn't like that I was um, talking, and this is what I think happened, like hypotheticals. And as it turns out, anything I've said so far has been true. In fact, what was released last time is actually worse than I thought. And we now learn that the FBI has been paying Twitter millions of dollars in order to... Do their bidding. That is huge revelation on so many different levels. Let me go back and just discuss yesterday. Uh, Yesterday we had some new files come out. And what notably happens is that they have been going through this information and bringing them out somewhat in a theme. So like, okay, here's a theme. Here's everything we found and discovered so far on this. Here's what we discovered on that. They wanted to know more about how the FBI interacted with Twitter. And as this continues to come out, you find, and I'm going to skip forward as part of these Twitter files, in the end, the FBI's influence campaign aimed at executives at news media, Twitter, and other social media companies worked. They censored and discredited the Hunter Biden laptop story. By December 2020, Baker and his colleagues even sent a note to thank the FBI for its work. The FBI's influence campaign may have been helped by the fact that it has been paying Twitter millions of dollars for its staff's time. Quote, I am happy to report we have collected $3,415,323 since October 2019, reports an associate of Jim Baker in early 2021. And then you go down and you find out even more things. It says, 
and the pressure from the FBI and social media platform continues. In August of 2022, Twitter executives prepared for a meeting with the FBI, whose goal was to, quote, convince us to produce no more FBI EDRs, EDRs being the emergency disclosure request, a warrantless search. So here's what we are learning. And we already knew that the FBI has met with these big social networks. What we've also learned is something a little bit more different as they're starting to understand that these disinformation campaigns or whatever that the government was putting on and what you're finding are very left-leaning organizations were putting these conferences together, in-person conferences with representatives from the big social media sites to essentially put these PowerPoint presentations together to talk about why you need to discredit things like the Hunter Biden laptop. Multi-day conferences, lavish places they were putting this in, secretive groups. It wasn't just them communicating, as in the FBI communicating with social media. It was them giving money to social media companies in exchange for the things that they want. In some cases, information on certain people, emergency disclosure, uh, disclosure requests, which are warrantless searches. And on top of that, expectations that they're going to act when they ask these social media companies to act. Meaning that, hey, if we don't want this content on your site, I want you to take it down. And these things were happening. And now it's in the evidence is being presented for full transparency on how the FBI pressured Twitter. And you know what? There's no reason to believe Facebook or any of these other giant companies that are even larger than Twitter were also influenced this way. And it begs a huge question. One, why is the FBI in the business of giving millions of dollars to companies in order to take information off of their website? That's number one. Uh, Number two, uh, why is the FBI trying to lie in a lot of ways to discourage these companies to making these decisions. When I say lie, they know, really. They're, they're saying this is Russian disinformation. It's for the best uh, betterment of the country for you to take these things off your social media platforms, to hide these things, to hide these opinions. You, do, you have to do it. It's your patriotic duty. So they lie about these things, meaning that they are misrepresenting the information, trying to give the appearance that it is false when it actually isn't. And they had evidence it was not fabricated but they give this appearance in order for the social media companies to basically be able to wash their hands and say well it's not my fault hey you know i thought it was the russians what am i supposed to do Ah, i thought i was doing the right thing and on top of that in order for them to fully be along with it they have to give a cash uh, sum with it that doesn't seem right does it what else are they looking at and how many other times has this been used outside of this whole hunter biden thing how many times was it used in for COVID? Was it used for January 6th? What are their big major events that you found the censorship of news or any other information or the discussion of a certain topic outside of the Hunter Biden laptop? And I think you're going to find more and more of this happening on a much larger scale. There's so many questions uh, that are still coming from this, and I'm glad that they're deciding to bring this out in full disclosure. I think it's important for that to happen that way. 855 616 one six twenty, and again, every time we bring this up, if you might you might hate um, this idea that Republicans are looking into this, 
And I think Republicans are just immediately going to start investigations as soon as they take control at the start of next year. And they have the committee hearings and whatnot. I think immediately this is going to be a top priority for them to find out how has the FBI been working to undermine other government agencies secretly through social media networks? And what implications does that have, legally or not? And I think people want to find out these answers, so it's not going away. I don't know how you look at this and say it's no big deal. 855-616-1620. One of the other big things is the controversial figure of Elon Musk. Apparently, he is already looking around for the next CEO. We'll discuss that after the break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. I'm reading some of these text messages. Um, here's a text message. I'm a tad confused. Is Hunter Biden the president or is Joe Biden the president? This is a great question. We're talking about the FBI in an instance. Uh, do you think the FBI was trying to protect Hunter Biden, or do you think the FBI was trying to protect Joe Biden? Do you think the FBI cares what a recovering drug addict who's got overseas deals, do you think they really care if he gets nailed for all of the indecent and criminal things that have d- been documented through this laptop? Or do you think it's his association with the well, future president of the United States, then former vice president of the United States. So, yeah, it is a big deal. I don't think the FBI was trying to protect Hunter Biden. And if you do, I dare you to make your case. What do you really, really think that they were doing this on behalf of Hunter Biden? I don't think so. 855-616-1620. One person said the Twitter files is fake news. I'm not buying it. Okay. Another person said, Musk doesn't care about transparency. If he did, he'd release all the documents. You know, I wonder if all these documents at some point will be released. I think the reason why they're releasing it in certain stages is because it takes so much to comb through this. And in the end, they are private files, meaning that we're talking about internal communications, documents within the company itself. And I think part of the reason why they're not just releasing this to anyone and they're having it selectively gone through and then, you know, brought into chunks is because they have to do things like censor people's names when, you know, they don't want to dox people, things like that. I think those are all very important um, parts of this, because then ultimately, as a private company, you release all this private information. I don't know how liable you would be if someone's um, information got released that way. So I think that. Another person just texted in, protecting the big guy. That's a big question, too. Let me ask this question, because Elon Musk is a controversial figure. He bought Twitter, became the CEO, started running Twitter, and immediately people (laughs) either love it or hate it. But let me bring this question up to you. Um, Hypothetically, where you work right now, if your boss put up a poll that said, I'm going to let all the workers vote, if it's a simple question... Should I continue to be the boss, yes or no? And then at the end of the day, anyone that's working there gets to vote. Should I be the boss, yes or no? In your own place of employment, would your boss still have their job if they asked that question? 855-616-1620. On Twitter, Elon Musk put up the poll, should I continue as the CEO of Twitter? Yes or no? What ended up happening was no one... He said he would abide by the results of the poll with 17.5 million votes. 57.5 of those said he should step down. 42.5 said he should stay on. So since the Twitter poll came out, he said, I'm going to start searching for a new CEO. He is going to step down his head of Twitter. And I thought, where you're working right now, if your boss gave you that option, should they step down as being the boss of your place of employment? 
What do you think would happen between you and your coworkers? Do you think your boss would still have a job at the end of the week? I don't know. 855-616-1620. I tend to think that most places in today's world, the answer is no. I would say a majority of bosses, if the employees had their say, would get fired. Uh, and then if the answer is no, he, that person should keep their job. He or she should be able to continue to work. Yes, I love my boss. Then those are one of those good places to work. Maybe that's the litmus test, really. If you have to ask yourself that, if everyone here voted, if this person would still have a job, would they still be there? Maybe that's the test. Would a majority say yes or no? Now, keep in mind, I understand and I do know that there are going to be people that just hate it regardless. It doesn't matter if the person's a good boss or not. They just don't like working there. They have that sort of attitude and they make things miserable. I'm not, you know, those people exist everywhere. I get that. Um, But a majority of people working there, even the good people don't like you. That's a sign. So do you work for a company and the boss came to you and said, we're just doing a simple poll and I'm going to abide by this. Should I continue being the boss? Yes or no? Do you think your boss would still have a job? 855-616-1620. One person said, yes, love my boss. Okay, that's a good one. Another person said, I had a couple of bosses in my career whom I wish would have had that poll. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Um, Wouldn't that be the way to handle things in the future? Uh, One person said... Uh, You're going down a conspiracy rabbit hole. You really think the administration of the FBI is going to break the law or bend the rules for anyone? I don't know. The FBI has been caught so many different ways, and they have really lost much, if not all, of their credibility over the past five, six, seven years, even going back to the Obama administration. They have had some really rough things. Um, And, yes, I don't know if – let me put it this way. It is highly unlikely that – Twitter is forging these documents that they're releasing. It is nearly impossible for me to think that they're creating these documents in order to make the FBI look bad. I do believe that these documents are accurate and real, and I do believe that these things have been documented properly. And being truthful, this is very difficult for the FBI to come out and defend. So I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. All right, if your boss came to you with a poll that said, hey, everyone at the office here, vote. Yes or no, should I keep my job? Would your boss be able to keep their job at the end? Do you think your office would vote them in or would they vote them out? 855-616-1620. We'll take some of your calls and comments. Let me know. You can do it anonymously. You don't have to tell me your real name. You don't have to tell me where you work. I don't want to know those things. You just tell me, would you have a boss at the end of the day? All right, here's the question. Your boss comes to you and says, you know what, I'm going to put a poll up, and I'm going to abide by whatever this poll says. It's a simple yes or no question. Should I be the boss? And you look around at all the other workers in your office or wherever you're at, and they all look at each other like, what in the world is going on? Your boss says, no, 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 seriously, I'm going to put a poll out. All you have to do is vote yes or no. Should I still be the boss? And whatever the majority decides... I will abide. And you all look around, and it becomes like an episode of Survivor. Do we vote this person off the island? If that was the scenario you were in at your current job, would you vote your boss out? Would you keep your boss? Which one would it be? 855-616-1620. I say this because I think most people would vote their boss off. Most people would. That's the impression I am at. Uh, 855-616-1620. 
One person said, um, okay, so talking about the Twitter files, investigate the DOJ and FBI. I predict Elon Musk will put the mainstream media out of business. I don't think that'll happen, but I think it is a good thing to get the ball rolling. Another text message, Jerry Jones should ask the Cowboys fans if he should still be the GM. All right. Now, if this was your favorite sports team, imagine every year they do a poll and they decide who's going to be managing the team next year and you have to prove your worth. Oh, man. Wouldn't that make sports more fun? Uh, One person said, I love my boss. I would keep him. All right, good. Keep your boss then. Uh, One person said, hi, I love my boss. I'm starting to suspect bosses are texting in and voting for themselves. I think that might be happening right now. 855-616-1620. If you're worried about your boss hearing your voice, don't be. uh, Because a lot of people's voices sound exactly the same on the radio. And you don't have to give your real name if you call in. Just call yourself whatever. You know, pick up a fake name and that'll be fine. Just remember the fake name you pick so when I call you, you'll know I'm talking to you on the phone line. Another person said, uh, I work for USPS, so the boss would get 90% no, but the government would see that as successful and give them a bonus. (laughs) So a 10% approval rating with a government job is actually looked at as a positive. You're in the top percentile of performances. Another person said, why has Christopher Ray not resigned yet? Good question. One person said, I am the boss. However, my team knows not to call me that. I do prefer being called coach since my job is to help improve my teammates. See, that's boss talk. See, I, I can tell you're the boss because that's the way management talks in today's world. Uh, another one, I think my current boss would still be the boss because he's awesome, but I had... Um, some satanic bosses in previous jobs who would probably be gone faster than Jesse Owens <laughs> on five espressos. That's pretty fast. You're talking Sonic the Hedgehog fast. Got to go fast. Uh, another, most people leave people, not jobs. If there were a poll, I think more bosses would be moving from job to job, not the employees. Wow. You know, my impression, my thought was there would be a lot of get the boss out of your votes. No, you shouldn't keep your job. I would guess that in most scenarios that would happen. And if you are in a job where you would keep your boss, then this is a good thing. Maybe this is something to self-reflect on. Uh, Let's see. Any boss who would think it's a good idea to do a poll like that should not be supervising anyone. (laughs) I love these text messages. They're so good. Uh, He would be gone in a minute. And it would be unanimous. Okay, your boss is out. I hate my boss and I'm (laughs) self-employed. So you would pull your family. You you work from home. You're self-employed or whatever. Give one to the wife. Give one to the kids. Whatever. Give one to the dog. The dog just has to decide if you give him enough bones or not. And the family gets to decide if you have to go back into the workforce and get out of the house. Oh, boy. That's your vote. If... uh, you would vote your boss off. You should be getting a different job. See, that's an interesting point. But let me put it this way. I don't think the answer always is just get another job. Sometimes you hear that when someone's at a job and the work conditions are not great, and they'll say, why don't you just leave? Or maybe the conditions aren't great or whatever it is. Why don't you just leave? I don't think the answer should always be, why don't you just leave, right? I think there should be an answer outside of that. I mean, it's certainly an option, but I don't think it should always be the answer to a bad workplace environment. 
Uh, one person said, I'm self-employed. Okay. Uh, one person said, my boss has issues, but I'd vote to keep them. Absolutely keep the boss. It's the way I'm looking at it, we're 50-50 right now. Half would keep, half would get rid of their boss. Uh, one person said, I would keep my boss. Uh, she is amazing. That's from Alex. Another person said, uh, careful, the new boss may be worse. Oh, no, now you're playing game theory. Well, I can get rid of this one, but what if the next one's even worse? Oh, boy. Same as the old boss and same as the new boss. What's that new, the the Who had that one song? Is it some one of those levels? Uh, here's some more text messages. There's so many text messages. And if I were to be keeping track, we're down about 50-50. Half would keep, half would get rid of. It says, my Fortune 500 has seven layers of management between me and the CEO. Level one and two can stay. The rest can go. One said, my boss listens to the show. So, yes, I would keep him. Aw. I think any boss that listens to the WTMJ during the day needs to stay. That is a cool dude. And one we want to continue to listen on the job. 855-616-1620. I'd like to get some calls on this. We're getting so many text messages. But if your boss put up a poll, much like Elon Musk did, and your boss said, should I step down as the head of this organization? I'll abide by the results of the poll. Would your coworkers vote your boss out of there, or would your coworkers keep your boss in place? 855-616-1620. We'll take some more of your comments. I'd like to get some of your calls after the break on WTMJ. I love these text messages coming in. So if your boss put out a poll that said, hey, guys, all right, let's get together. Everyone, get a sheet of paper. I just need a yes or no here. Should I continue to be the boss? Yes or no? And Elon Musk did that. Twitter voted. They said no. (laughs) So now he's looking for the new boss. He's looking to replace himself. He said, be careful what you wish for. So he's in the search for a new CEO, which made me wonder where you work if your boss came to you with the same question. Should I still be the boss? Would they be the boss at the end of the day? And I'm really shocked. I really thought a majority of people would say, get them out of here. But really, no. The actual answer is it's 50-50 down the middle. Most people would keep. Well, I would say it's it's half would keep, half would get rid of their boss. More text messages coming in here. As one said, of course, bosses are texting in. They're the ones listening to the radio. <laughs> no, I'm going to spin that and say... Be a boss. Listen to WTMJ. Another text message that came in. I think we would keep our bosses if we could kick his uh, wife out of the office. So you're saying, okay, it's a husband and wife situation. (laughs) It's not a package deal in your eyes. Get rid of the one you don't like. Keep the one you do. One person said, goodbye, boss. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Another person messaged in, I also work for USPS, and our boss doesn't have any control. It's all upper management. I would still keep her, though. And one said, I voted to keep my boss. He is wonderful and makes going to work enjoyable. Aw, okay, there you go. Great text messages coming in. And if you want to text in or call in, you can, 855-616-1620. I saw the story on TMJ4, but I also heard Mike Spaulding report it, I think right at the 1 o'clock news here, so not that long ago. The swatting indictment and one person being right here in Racine so close to Milwaukee I swatting was a popular thing maybe five years ago I didn't realize people still did it if you are unfamiliar with the term swatting I will try to explain it to you a lot of times people 
online will do live videos of them playing video games, live videos of doing talk shows, things like that. What ends up happening is sometimes people will want to mess with that person. So what they'll do is find a way to report a crime being committed at that person's address. So let's say they're doing a live video of them, um, you know, playing video games, and there's a large amount of people watching it online. They'll think, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I called the FBI or the local police and I said, there's a crime being committed at this address. Sometimes they find out where that person lives through the power of the Internet. They call in a fake crime. And then what happens is the police show up and they break into that house because, oh, they heard that there was gunshots or, oh, there was, you know, a woman screaming. Oh, there was kids screaming bloody murder. You better get over there as fast as you can. So what happens is the police bust into these people's homes while they are playing their games on the video and you see the police come in and take over the situation. And whoever's watching that thinks it's such a great laugh. Ha, ha, ha. This is so funny. Look what I'm, I just messed with them. I just played such a big prank on them. What happens is that it turns out very dangerous because either the SWAT team or whatever it is come in with guns blazing and the person inside that home has no idea what's going on. And it has been documented. Sometimes these people that were just playing video games get shot and killed because they don't know what's going on and the police don't know what's going on. And the person that called in that fake tip is held for murder, accountable for murder, because it could go bad real quick. Apparently this man in Racine is part of the problem. He is involved with swatting incidents in California, Michigan, Montana, Georgia, Virginia, Illinois, Alabama, and Florida. Him and someone else. Young. We're talking young 20s or something like that. They're like 20, 21 years old. Uh, Kaya Nelson, 21 of Racine. James McCarty, 20 of North Carolina, arrested last week on federal charges. And I, I hope they, I mean, I really hope they take this very seriously and charge him to the full extent, because it is very, very dangerous of what they're doing. So yeah, I saw that story, and I know Mike Spaulding's covering that one. When you hear that term swatting, I don't know if everyone knew what that meant, so I thought I'd take a moment to explain just the severity of it and how that can turn bad really quick and how you don't want people calling in fake tips to the police. Because think about this. You're at home. You're not doing anything illegal or wrong, and someone busts into your house with a weapon in their hand. What do you do? You don't know it's police at first because you're not doing anything. There's nothing wrong. That is a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, let's go to Greg, uh, who's calling in. Greg, welcome to WTMJ. Hi, go ahead. Uh, hi. Um, I retired from a Fortune 500 company. I don't want to mention the name of it. But we had a survey that they had us take about, I'd say, 25 years ago where uh, – you would rate your supervisor, rate the department uh, conditions of your department and what you thought was right and what you thought was wrong. And this was a plant-wide thing where they had about, let's say, about 1,200 employees till this out, and the results came back so negative they wouldn't even show us what the results were. But after that, things got a whole lot worse where I worked as far as the morale, and it just didn't work out too good. Yeah, so once people found out other people were happy, they're like, you know what, I'm not hiding it. I'm not happy either. They, they stopped playing? Pretty much, yeah. It was that one and only time we had a survey like that. So it didn't turn out to their liking the first time, so they gave up on it. Yeah, I, you know, I think about my own experiences with those types of surveys, and they ask you to fill it out, and you're like, okay, you know, 
I want to keep working, so do I say anything negative because it'll look bad if I, you know, you, you wonder how honest you're supposed to be on those because you think that if they find out it's you and you're not happy, then you're going to get fired, you know? And I think some people play that game mentally, like it's, they're afraid to tell the truth in those situations, even when things are bad. But when it comes out that a lot of other people are unhappy too, then it becomes a lot easier for them to tell the truth. Maybe something like that happened. Exactly. You got it. All right. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate the call. 855-616-1620. We'll take a break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in WTMJ. I'm Ryan Recker. If you want to look me up online, ryanrecker.com. I have a website where I post some things. So another text message said, anonymous surveys are never anonymous, or I wouldn't get a reminder stating that I haven't submitted as of yet. Use caution. That is a true thing. I. It's always a tricky thing because when... You know, you get older and you have a family to support. You wonder how honest should you be or should you play the game? And then nothing gets better. You never know. It's a weird thing. Every industry is a little bit different, I guess, in the way that they handle that. Oh, boy. Let's see. One person said, I'm retired from the Wisconsin Department of Corrections for less than a year. Their vacancy rate is 31.5%. My institution is 47% staff vacancy. Do you think any of us would vote to keep our boss? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I saw Disney got rid of their boss. They have the Eisner or whatever. It came back. And I was reading the summary of how Avatar, The Way of Water, did over the weekend. And apparently Disney is not too happy with its uh, outcome as well because shares of Disney has dropped 5% in response to that disappointing debut of the new Avatar movie. I saw the first Avatar movie, and I wondered to myself, why do people think this is one of the best movies ever? I thought it was so dumb. I thought it was just too long, and I could not care less about it. It was one of those movies where if you would have cut off the last half hour and the projector went up in flames and they said, oh, we'll give you tickets to come back and finish it, or a refund, I'll say, no, I'll take the refund. No, I'll take the refund. It did pretty well for itself. Apparently, Disney lowered its weekend projections after the film brought in $53 million in its first two days domestically. After that, um, you know, it did okay. I, I wouldn't say it was bad. All things considered, when you make $150 million, um, it's okay, right? The sequel made $134 million in its domestic debut. But the problem that you're running into is that all of these other giant movies, like Doctor Strange made 187 Black Panther made 181 Jurassic Park made 145 Thor made 144 Batman made 134 So all of these different movies actually did better than the Avatar movie. And the Avatar movie, they say, needs $2 billion over the course of its lifetime in order to break even. Why would you make that terrible investment, honestly? The first movie made a ton of money, and I know a lot of people went to go see it, and it was one of the highest-grossing films for a long time. So they thought, if we can just do a sequel of this, but then they spend way too much money in order to make it work. I, you know, maybe some people are going to go back and look at it and say, maybe it wasn't as good as I thought. When I went to Disney last year with my family, or was it two years ago now? No, it was last year. We, we took a trip and we went to the Animal Kingdom and they have the Avatar ride where it's basically you, you sit down and you kind of like lean your chest into a pad and then the bar comes up behind you. And the idea is it kind of like tilts you forward and you move kind of like you're hang gliding and you're flying around the Avatar world and oh, it's so cool and oh, it's so great. 
And that was like the worst ride. I waited in such a long line for it, and the line took forever. They make you walk like three miles to get to this ride. And by the time you get up there, the thing doesn't work well if you wear glasses. The experience didn't work with the 3D. I was so disappointed. Even the ride was a disappointment. Why would I want to go see the next movie? Uh, so I think Disney's going to lose big in this Avatar movie if all things are considered. And I don't really care. Another hour coming up on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. It's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. Oh, boy. You can find me online, ryanrecker.com, if you want to look me up on there, W-R-E-C-K-E-R. Got another hour here, and let's spend it together. If you want to call or text, 855-616-1620. And I ask this question honestly. I really do. And I really know that there are people listening here that hate Donald Trump, so this will be a perfect opportunity for you to call in. Why should his tax records be released? What's your line of reasoning or justification to release the private tax records of Donald J. Trump? 855-616-1620. So that is, I think the Means and Ways Committee is debating that in it's one of those last-minute pushes before the Democrats lose control of Congress and really the committee hearings and who's heading these committees to prioritize the things that they see fit. Now that the January 6th Commission has wrapped up, they're saying the next uh, bidding would be to release those tax records. To, and why would they? What is the purpose you can justify releasing these tax records? I really want to know. Because if I think about the way that tax records work there's the irs and all these other internal agencies that can investigate what is either true or false on them are they reporting everything that they should report are they paying taxes properly are they following the law there are agencies that do those exact things with the tax records but the whole idea is that it is private meaning that you don't get to see these things unless you voluntarily decide to post them and for the most part, presidents in the past have always posted their tax records. It's almost a tradition, but it's not a requirement. During the time, everyone kept asking Donald Trump, are you going to post your tax records? His uh, deflection was, I'll wait until I'm done being audited. It's like, <laughs> no one's been audited like me. You know, that's essentially his answer. But it never came, never materialized. And I think in a lot of ways, um, it didn't work. A lot of people wanted to see it in Congress, mostly Democrats who hated him. And now they are trying to use their committees in order to try to not only get but release this tax documents of Donald Trump. And I really don't know what the public benefit would be to release these things. And I'm asking you honestly, if you think they should be released, why? 855-616-1620. And your answer can't be because I hate Donald Trump. I, I need a real answer. And I keep reading different articles on this, and I tend to agree that the House Ways and Means Committee, who will be voting on to decide to, whether to make public six records of the former president's uh, tax records, six years of the tax records made public, is very concerning and scary to me. And one person, I'm, I'm reading different accounts of this, and they say, okay, number one, what's the reason for it? But number two, essentially what you're saying is whoever's in power can use tax records in the private information given to the IRS as a tool. They can use their power as a tool in order to politicize and demonize and really try to investigate and attack people that are of the other political 
party. They use it as an attack method. And I tend to agree with them on something like that. I, I do think that a formal release, though voluntary, is not a bad thing for a president of the United States. Tax records could be okay. But if they say no or don't do it or don't feel the need to do it, then I don't think you should be forced to do it. And I also think that it could be dangerous precedent, meaning that if you're the head of the committee, are you just, in the future, going to get private tax records and release it for anyone you don't like, private citizen or not? Maybe it's a controversial figure. Oh, we'll just release their tax records. Do you like the ability for Congress to be able to vote and do these things? To me, it's not good. It's actually, you're crossing a line. And they're doing it strictly because they hate the man, not because there's any sort of real public interest for it. But change my mind. 855-616-1620. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, when it comes to the Trump tax records, as the House Ways and Means Committee are now going to be deciding if that'll come out or not, uh, do you think it's important to see those tax records? Do you think they should be released to the public? I don't think they should. We'll take some of your calls, your comments coming up on WTMJ. Okay, uh, no calls on this, but... You know, I was really hoping someone would call in and, and give me a valid reason. I just don't see a valid reason other than I don't like the guy. Like a couple of text messages that came in, uh, one said, if there's nothing to hide, what's the problem? And that's the mentality you have to be very careful about because you can use that on anyone. You know, the person that's texting in right now. If you got nothing to hide, what's the problem? Post your private information publicly. Yeah, right. Like, you want that to happen. And it's the same idea. Like, let's say the police knock on your door and said, hey, do you mind if we look around your house to see if there's anything illegal? Uh, no. Do you have a warrant? <laughs> I'm not just going to let you in to poke around without a warrant. You know, you have rights. And them to say, what, you, you got nothing to hide? Uh, just let us do it. Just let us, uh, let's let us be. No, I'm sorry. Uh, the, you do have rights. So you don't voluntarily give up your rights just because you have nothing to hide. You should be protective of that. Another text message said, I might be incorrect in this, but hasn't all the other candidates have either ran for president or became president show their tax returns? Yes. No, that's true. It's, it's common practice. Not legally required, but common practice. Uh, said, plus Trump continuously said he would have no problem sharing his tax records once investigation audit was over. That's true. He did say that. So I think the thing is, uh, he lied about that, right? He said he was going to release them. I mean, hypothetically, he could be under perpetual investigation by the IRS, perpetual audit, I should say. And that could be very well true. But I think really that was a delay tactic. He wasn't ever going to give up voluntarily his tax record. So so you're saying it's in the public's record because he said he would do it? Nah, I don't know. I don't think that is necessary in that case. Basically, you can call it for what it is. You know, he was lying about that, sure. But I don't think it's the reason to release. One person said no reason to publicly release Trump's tax records, just a witch hunt by the Democrats. Okay. Another text message said, uh, I want to know if he's a lying fraud. So this goes back to my other caveat into texting and calling in. I want to know an actual reason why you think they should be released other than you just hate the guy. <laughs> Because that text message is essentially, oh, I don't like the guy, so I think it should be gone. Uh, some people might say it would be the smoking gun, and I think he won't be able to run in 2024. I don't think that's the case either. I feel behind the scenes the IRS and all these other places have the ability to look at it without it becoming public record. So, no, I don't think it stops him from being prosecuted if there was a crime being committed. No, I don't think that prevents that. But So there, there's no smoking gun to look for in that sense. Another one said, the difference is he's running to be president, not a person that has knocked at the door. 
Okay, but again, there's no law that says you need to uh, give these up, right? There's no law that requires you running for president to publicly release your tax records. So he hasn't done anything that has broken law. He broke tradition. So if the justification to release these, that Congress should force the hand because he broke tradition, is definitely a dangerous precedent, I would say. Uh, one person said, I really don't like Trump. He should release his own tax records, but he shouldn't be forced to. If he doesn't release his records, it will be at his own peril because the transparent and show me. Yeah, I get that. And I, I think that's the way you look at it. Say, OK, he's not being transparent in the way that other presidents have. And that's absolutely fair to do. What I don't want to happen is endless, endless amounts of whoever's in power uses the IRS like they have in the past to justify attacking your person of another political party. So whoever's in power gets the full attention of the IRS to prosecute and persecute people you don't like is bad. Uh, one person said he had been audited. I trust the IRS that they are okay. Another one said uh, there's been concerns for many years of who owns Donald Trump and who helps finance him. And now he has taken top secret documents. We need to know if he has he says he is okay but here's the thing it doesn't prevent investigations into him as you know you've already seen that what it prevents is this becoming public record as in the democrats want to release this information to the public for everyone to see and they're taking private documents that are meant to be private and trying to justify taking private information and releasing it because he was president so again it doesn't stop investigations there uh, one person says he causes many of his own problems. He lied about releasing them. And again, him saying that he was going to release them and not not a justification. I, I just don't buy it. So, so far, the text messages that are coming in, I get it. Some people just don't like them. Some people wish that, hey, since he already said he would do it, that essentially he's given carte blanche to release it. Like, that's the pre-approval. I just don't see it that way. And I, I don't think many other people do. I just hope it doesn't go that way. And ultimately speaking, that's the appeal a lot of Republicans on this committee are going to make. Wait until we're in power. Are you saying we should be allowed to weaponize the IRS the way you're weaponizing it right now? And is that what you really want? Those in power, Congress, to be able to weaponize the IRS because they have the control of the House at the time. And they have the ability to release those things. And just because they don't like someone or they're a controversial figure, then they're able to release their private information because they believe it's in the public's good. I don't think it should be done that way. Uh, 855-616-1620. There was a story in the New York Post that there is these mysterious lights darting around Wisconsin right now. I don't know if you've seen these mysterious lights, but I have a theory of why you might be seeing them. And we'll discuss that coming up after the break on WTMJ. So if you're north of Milwaukee, I want to talk to you. If you are in Fredonia, am I saying that correctly? Wisconsin, Fredonia. So you go a little bit north. Uh, it's over by, let's see, uh, north of Port Washington, north of Sockville. You continue up. There's Ozark High School there. And let's just say, hypothetically, you are in that area right now. Have you ever seen strange lights in the sky? Because different agencies are reporting these things, including the Daily Mail, who says close encounters of the first kind. Multiple witnesses share videos of possible UFO sightings in rural Wisconsin, where strange bright white lights have been seen zipping across the skies. Another place, I think it was West Bend, Wisconsin. Let me see where that is. Uh, 
But if you're in those areas, call me if you've ever seen that. So West Bend's not quite as north. It's just a little bit south of it. Uh, Close to Slinger, I guess, in that way. 855-616-1620. If you're around that area and you've seen lights in the sky, I I need you to call in. Tell me what you've witnessed. But I have a theory about aliens that I don't think you're going to like. But... Let's let's look at the way this is running down. Footage from earlier this month shows bright lights zipping across the skies, cloudy skies, rolling farmland near West Bend and also Fredonia. Incredible speeds appearing to come from above thin cloud layers. And apparently people love them, a good UFO story. There's some video, and I always tend to believe all these videos are faked. I also tend to believe that they're faked for a reason because they... A lot of times, people want videos to go viral, and they want to see if they can trick other people. But you know the real reason why a lot of these videos are faked? These are visual effect artists that are trying to put this on their portfolio to say, hey, I was responsible for this one viral video. You should hire me and your marketing uh, agency, because look, I know how to get people buzzing about videos. That's why a lot of these young students do these type of videos, to try to like trick other people for their own benefit. So keep that in mind. So the Daily Mail obtained videos from a salon owner in West Bend and a former police officer, they say, uh, in Fredonia. Again, you may be listening. You may be these people that took the videos, and you can tell me, hey, I'm full of it. It's not some uh, college video editor that's trying to make a name for themselves. You really saw these sort of things. And they say they were driving home on Wallace Lake Road, West Bend, around 1045 earlier this month, and they encountered a strange sight over their car and it was these lights they were moving in ways that no way an aircraft can move i will tell you this uh number one i do not uh believe in aliens a one person message in it's a zaki high school not ozark apologize thank you for texting that in uh one person said um I've been around West Bend, and I've seen lights, the lights that sweep through the sky, coming from their Christmas display in one of their local parks. It's a laser light show. Okay, good. Another one said, I have not seen the lights, but people have posted on Facebook for Eagle, Wisconsin. So maybe some people have seen it. Uh, But here's what the article continues to say. They've, They've never seen anything like this two in a row. They looked at each other. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. These are the type of sightings that have been coming through in the region. I'll say this. Wisconsin's pretty, you know, spread out. There's a lot of empty space in Wisconsin, and I get that, and that's good for sky viewing. But when you're close to a major metropolitan area, things can happen. You're so close to Milwaukee, there's still going to be some light interference. There's still going to be a lot of travel, airplanes, things like that, because they're going to naturally be gravitating towards some of the major airports, and that could explain some things that you see in the sky. There could be other flights and stuff in the air, but generally speaking, I just think a lot of these videos are fabricated and made up just for the sake of trying to become viral. Um, But maybe you've seen some of these different things. Here's my theory of what aliens should do. If I was an alien, I would wait for a giant snowstorm like we're about to get in the next couple of days. I would wait until everybody's inside, and there's not a lot of people traveling, and there's not a lot of people looking up into the skies. And if you really wanted to observe the human race, you would come down at a time when no one's out looking. So, yeah, the snow's terrible. The snow's bad. The the wind chills negative 50. You know, all of these things play against people being outside because they don't want to die, and they want to stay warm, so they stay in. And they're under their blankets in the middle of the night. They're not outside looking up. So this is what I would do if I was an alien. This would be your time to observe. Come on down. 
No one's going to be looking. And when they least expect it, boom. But we're talking about start of December. The weather still wasn't that bad. Things were okay. Things were going all right. Uh, people were up, up looking, and apparently people were witnessing these sort of things. Uh, maybe you witnessed some of it, too. 855-616-1620. One person said, the lights on Wallace, um, where was it, uh, take, were flashing in the sky, was a transformer that was blown up and on fire. Good. That could, you see, these things could be explained. I live in Sockville and have not seen the lights. Are you just not spending enough time looking up? Could that possibly be it? Uh, one person said they could be drones. I think that's a really good possibility that very well could be drones. And I say that because it's so affordable to get these things anymore. And sometimes you hear them and sometimes you don't. Sometimes these high-end drones are just so uh, easy to mask the sound. It's you know Sometimes you hear them, they sound like these little whizzing motors. And sometimes you don't because they're so up in the sky in their higher-end ones. But it could be drones. One person said uh, they have been seen... And here's the problem, not being from Wisconsin. I don't know how to pronounce all these different places. ago, And then one person said, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I am also waiting for the ground evidence. Why is everyone always lights in the sky? Where are the footprints, etc.? Oh, good point. So remember 90s when crop circles used to be a big thing because it was tangible evidence that a... Uh, alien craft landed in this cornfield. Well, then it was discovered we're actually making these things for attention. How's this not just an extension of that? Uh, one person said, saw them Saturday night on my way from Belgium. Highway 57 looked like laser lights somewhere green on low-level clouds. Yeah, could have very well been that laser light show that some of the communities put on. All right, uh, maybe you're not buying it either. But, hey, national news is saying that in Wisconsin, any given night you can look up and see aliens. I'm not buying it either. 855-616-1620 is the number. I'm Ryan Recker. You can find me online, uh, ryanrecker.com, W-R-E-C-K-E-R. And I post links to my social media on there if you want to do a quick look up. Looks like Oregon and Washington are going to be adding more restrictions onto new vehicle sales in the future, much like California has. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in a second. Let me bring this up real quick. Someone said, um, where was it? Uh, There needs to be a new game, and the game being that whoever's hosting has to pronounce Wisconsin city names for our, you know, for basically the listener's entertainment. I can't find the text message. It's something along those lines. Love the idea. Oh, yeah, a new game. Can the host pronounce cities in Wisconsin? Yeah, that's a great game. I love it, and I would fail that game, so I don't want to let you down. Another <laughs> More text messages. If there are aliens, I don't think they would let us see them so easily. They probably think we're crazier than chimpanzees with VD. What, what's, I don't even know how to quantify that statement. Uh, The reason you can't find alien footprints is because they don't want to get shot or run over by a stolen car. (laughs) So are you saying that if an alien landed in Milwaukee, odds are they wouldn't survive long. They would be shot or ran over with a stolen Kia. (laughs) It's not funny, but it's funny. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. That's why you don't see aliens around. Another <laughs> another check uh, text message. Ryan, the reason aliens are checking out this part of Wisconsin is it's the only place with intelligent life. Wisconsin. All right, great, wonderful. I love that. 
<laughs> Thank you for it. Uh, one person said, I think the TV series The Truth is Out There on the History Channel explains all the UFO sightings and other unexplained events that are happening. Have not seen it. Is The Truth is Out There the phrase for that 90s show, The X-Files? I think it is. And one person had a theory. Maybe it's Santa testing out his sleigh. <laughs> yeah, that's a, good, that's a good point. Maybe it is Slanta uh, checking out the sleigh. Um, a lot of great text messages coming in. Thank you very much for all of those. That was fun. 855-616-1620. Going back to the car thing in Oregon and Wisconsin, Oregon and Washington. So much like California, they've decided that in the future, only zero emission vehicles will be sold in their state. The Clean Air Act allowed California to establish emission standards that are stricter than national standards. And because they were able to do that, they said, in the future, we're going to make it impossible to buy a new vehicle in California unless it has zero emissions. Essentially saying that only electric vehicles are going to be allowed in the future. I think that is so backwards in a lot of different ways. One, if you think about how overregulation strangles different industries to go to one particular industry and say we're not going to allow you to sell a gas motored vehicle in the future is so difficult and anti-competitive and actually quite wrong and i think that if you're washington you're oregon there's going to be a lot of challenges to this in the future logistically speaking all these different car companies are pushing to make electric vehicles as fast as they can Part of the problem you're going to run into is that the supply of these vehicles are going to be difficult to keep up with. And what's going to happen in California is you're just going to drive up the price of the used car market or people are going to go out of state to purchase these things and bring them back into California if they're not allowed to purchase it within the borders of Oregon, Washington. It's not going to stop people from getting vehicles and driving gas vehicles. It is just overregulation and government really abusing their power by trying to force zero emissions in this case. I think there's a very good chance in the future that a lot of these different instances will just end up being, you know, voted in the opposite direction, and rightfully so. I also look at this, and they, the, like the Oregon state government said, the rules build on regulations they've had in place to lay groundwork for automakers to produce zero-emission vehicles, which include full battery, electric, plug-in, whatever. Now, imagine you're in these areas. Number one, you might not want to purchase an electric vehicle because they might be too expensive. You may have a situation where you don't want to install this on your home but if you're in oregon and washington you may be in a rental situation your landlord may not be putting this up there you may not even have a garage to charge this so you wouldn't even have a place to charge a new vehicle so it's out of the question so many people don't even have the ability to have these electric vehicles because they can't rely on always charging up on the road because you know it's uh, time consuming and you're at the will of availability if the charging station's available to begin with. When you go to a gas station, what are you there, five minutes to pump up a full tank of gas and you're out of it? If you're at your house, if you had an electric vehicle, you can plug it in and let it sit there through the overnight. That's fine. No big deal. But if you don't have those luxuries, are you going to want to sit there for a couple hours while this thing charges? Or are you going to want to be afraid that, you know, the next time you go to start this thing, you don't have enough charge and you can't make it to work and there's no way for you to do it because you don't have a charging station where you're living? The apartment complex doesn't have it. And Washington, Oregon, these places are very anti-single-family homes. They look at them being inefficient. They want to look at multifamily dwellings, livings, 
duplexes, things like that, because they say that the cost of living are so high, the only way you'll be able to counter that is to jam more people onto these places and plots of land. And it's selfish for you to have your own land and your own single-family dwelling that they don't want you building new ones. So all of these places that they're trying to discourage that would be prime opportunities to build these charging stations built into garages, they're trying to wean those out as fast as they can. And then think about, too, not all of these older homes have the availability to put these in willy-nilly. It's not like you can hire someone and a 1000 bucks they'll plop this in. It also depends on if you have, in your electrical box, the ability to add this in there. Um, and if you don't, then what are your other options? You're going to have to get a, I don't know, a second box installed, and you got to do this, and it, it takes time for these things to add in. It's, it's such a headache, and I just feel for the people that are living there. And maybe the message is, why are you still living in California? Maybe the message is, why are you living in Oregon? Why are you living in Washington with overregulation and all these other problems that compile on top of it, where they find different ways to hassle you every bit of the way? They'll keep raising your taxes. Crime's going to continue to get worse. Homeless problems are going to get worse. Drug use is going to get worse. And they're not going to do anything about it. And you're going to be stuck there paying higher taxes for a service you'll never be able to get. And on top of that, they're going to find other ways to hassle you under the guise of, global warming or whatever it is. And really, I'm sure these automakers can't be happy because they're going to lose a big chunk of sales if they can't sell new vehicles in California, Washington, Oregon. They're, they're going to have to rely on the used car market in these areas. And what's that going to do? It's just going to jack up the prices of used cars if they weren't already bad enough because of the chip shortages. And this is not that far into the future. They're talking like 10 years from now, by 2035, so uh, 13 years from now. It's not that far off. I still think there's a lot of time where this can reverse itself, but still more again more or less government hassling you and all these great text messages coming in uh not only the batteries last so long they're about 20 grand each yeah the cost of the battery by themselves are very 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 expensive 855-616-1620 we can talk about this if you want to call in i'll read some of your text message uh text messages too coming up on wtmj One person said, I need to check out The Proof is Out There on YouTube. They investigate the world's most mysterious videos. That's the type of stuff I love watching on YouTube. So thanks for that recommendation. I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, More text messages and calls coming in about this regulation. Oregon, Washington, they want to shift towards zero emission cars. And they want to reach 100% zero emission vehicles sold, new vehicles, by 2035. And part of this is them stopping the sale of new vehicles unless they meet zero emission standards by 2035, which I think is ridiculous. I think that's abusive, and I think that's government overreach. 855-616-1620. Let's go to line one. Jeremy calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have two points on these EVs, and I've read on this before on a few books, geopolitical books and things like that, economic geopolitics. There's not even enough lithium and cobalt on the planet to actually provide the resources needed to produce a total EV country, let alone a state. And and second, China pretty much has the corner in the market of lithium refinement. And if we continue down this path with our policies with China, we are going to be hard-pressed to find an alternative source of lithium refinement around the world. Prices will start to go up because we've cut off the chip supply or chip uh, manufacturing from them. So they're just going to play in kind. I just can't see this actually materializing into reality. 
basically. Yeah. And, and I think these politicians are just creating policy because, you know, 15 years from now, they're probably not even going to be in office anymore. But they're going to get a lot of pat on the backs, maybe some you know, plaques and love me wall things. But other than that, it's just virtual signaling nonsense, and it makes it makes a good speech for, for re-election. Gotcha. All right. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Appreciate the call. Yeah, they'll be out there trying to get their Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. I did it. And one thing that I think is very telling of the way government works, when you're talking about the infrastructure bill, and primarily the infrastructure bill, was like the Green New Deal. It's just called something different. A lot of it was climate-oriented type of policies and money investments into infrastructure that way. And one of the big things that President Biden was really touting was we're going to start trying to mine here in the United States so we don't have to rely on other countries. And that'll be great, and we'll do it. It'll be zero emissions. It'll be offset with everything else. We won't add anything to pollution and climate change. You know, they put all these buzzwords out to make you feel good. And then you read the text of what they're going to do, and you find out they were basing their quote-unquote studies of having zero emissions by not including the construction and the mining and the transportation of these materials. So if you transport anything anywhere, it's going to pollute. If you mine into the ground, it's going to pollute. The people that are mining it and the equipment that you're using will pollute. The construction of the buildings will pollute. All of these things will add to pollution. And they don't include that in their studies because they want to say, oh, it's all zero emissions. We're doing it the clean way. And they're flat out lying to you and by emitting these things. And so when they go out there patting themselves on the back, and by the time they retire, like our previous caller said, oh, look, I did all these good things. They're not accounting for everything that went into it. So don't let them fool you. Jim is calling in. Welcome to WTMJ. Go ahead. Hi, go ahead, Jim. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go. How you doing today, Ryan? Um, Good. It's actually, Sam. Oh, sorry. Thanks sorry, Sam. Go ahead. Yeah, one of my pet. Yeah, one of my pet peeves, of course, is this whole electric car thing. Uh, you know, your previous caller made some excellent points, and the next catastrophe is going to be groundwater pollution, and and then all the waste from the batteries is also going to be a big pollution hazard. Just to tap into what you were just saying, but. The bigger thing is we don't even produce enough electricity today to put millions of cars on the grid along with the grid being able to handle it. In addition to that, um, the grid is not going to be able to keep pace with all of this. We're going to go into brownouts and everything else. And they, they, they're shutting down coal plants, nuke plants. And they're trying to convince everybody we're going to make this differential up with these uh, windmills and solar panels, which, again, is, a, is another commodity coming straight out of China that they're going to own us on. So the whole thing is just dead on arrival if you understand what's coming our way. But they never want to discuss that part of it all the time. Yep. And part of the big shames, cheap electricity coming from nuclear plants, they're decommissioning these things when really we should have been implementing more of these things it's so expensive to build these but we already had these facilities built and they start decommissioning them and it drives energy energy prices up when we should have continued to use energy like that mostly because it's got this stigma to it part of the decommissioning comes out of the uranium which i think that can be traced back to china's gobbling it up and russia was gobbling it up and that's the uranium one deal that was going on with clinton there's so much to the story 
but we're not going to be able to do this. There's physically not enough electricity being produced and going through the grid, and the grid can't even handle additional electricity. And they just got everybody focused on the tailpipe, and they think, God, if we could just get rid of that tailpipe, problem solved. And it's, it's only the beginning <laughs> of many more problems. I get it. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for the call. All right, just a quick note. I'm filling in for Jeff Wagner, and he is off the rest of the week. They're going. You're going to have the best of Jeff Wagner for the rest of the week, too, leading up until Christmas weekend, of course. So I hope you do enjoy this. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. Thanks for all the great messages. I keep seeing them coming in. One person asking about fusion. It's the future, question mark. Uh, yeah, I think... They're making some pretty amazing advancements, and that could be a huge deal in the future. If you have en- endless ability to get energy, uh, that would be huge, huge, huge. All kinds of great text messages coming in. i got to make a correction. I thought Jeff was off the rest of the week. He's back in tomorrow, from what I hear. Uh, Producer Charlie says, oh, no, Jeff's back. And then they're playing it by ear based on what the weather situation will be the rest of the week. So I was wrong. I apologize. You'll get Jeff Wagner tomorrow. So sorry about that. I misread the uh, calendar. My bad. Got a couple of minutes here, and there's one last story I wanted to bring up that kind of fits into what we're discussing here. And I saw this on the Daily Mail. Here's the headline. Earth could face a mass extinction by 2100. So 2100. So we're, what, in 2020? So you're talking about 78 years from now. Supercomputer predicts more than a quarter of species will die by the end of the century. New study shows extinction will wipe out a quarter of the world's biodiversity. And experts blame land use and over-exploitation of resources. And, you know, they show the pictures of the earth burning and, you know, dead fish and stuff like that. And that's the type of graphics they use with these type of stories. I've listened to a lot of climate scientists discuss the, the world and what they're doing. And this is what you normally get. You get stories like this that are very sensationalized based on a computer model that will uh, most likely be wrong, very likely, and always proven to be wrong and flawed, or maybe the worst case scenario, whatever it is. And a scientist in a headline runs with it, and that's the way it is. And people look at that as justification to try to force more policy. And they don't care if the policy and what they're trying to push is effective or not. And as these science climatologist or whatever it is, these scientists look at it, they realize a couple of different things. The way that the Biden administration has been proposing certain things to fight climate change has roughly zero impact on climate change. It's it's a drop in the bucket. And you're wasting billions and trillions of dollars over that time. They say if you want to get the most out of your money, what you do is pretty simple. You invest in infrastructure. So if you believe that some of these areas are going to have disasters because of the way climate is changing, invest in infrastructure to better prepare the people that live there. The other thing that you shouldn't be doing is putting out headlines and using this as your justification to try to scare another generation to say you're not going to be able to live to adulthood. You're going to die in 10 years. That's the wrong approach. And I really hate it when I see headlines like that. All right. uh, Had a great time with you today. Thanks for bearing with me. I'm Ryan Recker. This is WTMJ.